This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. Today we have uh, Mike Frank with us. He's here from Omaha, Nebraska. Mike is an amazing upper echelon business leader. Early in his career, he was a high-level executive with General Mills, PepsiCo, and the Walt Disney Company. He helped build MFS Communications, which sold for $14 billion, and then became the co-founder of Level 3 Communications, which many of us may know about, uh, which is headquartered in Broomfield. Uh, Recently sold for $35 billion. Today, Mike is the chairman of the GTA Development Fund in Hawaii. Mike also serves as its board member for various, or as a board member for various profit and nonprofit organizations, uh, the Hope Center for Kids. Mike Mike is an avid reader, a golfer, an outdoorsman, and a community leader. We had the opportunity to spend some time with Mike and Robbie, his wife, yesterday, and they have some amazing things to share today. So please come on up, Mr. Mike Frank. Thank you. Um, just want to let everybody know the whole reason that we do, um, we bring people up and we say, like, where are you going to be this time tomorrow? And we, we pray for them to be able to share their faith in business. And the, this all started with Mike. I saw him on a Zoom call, <laughs> and they were talking about how so many times business people get left out. People in the church think, well, you know, you've got your part to play out there, and you don't have anything to do in here, and there's this separation, you know, sacred and secular, and it's just, it's not. We're all ministers everywhere we go, and so it it was all through this Zoom call and Mike sharing his heart, and so it's such an honor to have him and Robbie here today, and they have already poured out so much. Anybody here yesterday or watched yesterday? Oh, man. (laughs) So good. So get ready. Um, Take notes, open your heart, get ready to receive. Yeah, you can watch yesterday's online if you did miss it. But um, thank you so much for who you are, what you bring. You're welcome. Wow. You know, um, I'm Mike. Hi. (laughs) Um, Robbie and I have been all over the world and been to a lot of different um, teachers or uh, churches and ministries and this place is really special yeah this is this is so unusual i mean from the worship wow wow (laughs) to just how you guys kind of um interact with each other and connect with each other this is really a sweet sweet place and so um don't take it for granted I mean, you got something really special here. This would be a place that I'd be proud to, if I were here, to invite people to come and be part of this. So um, just know what you've got. This is really cool. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little first part here, and then my wife, Robbie, uh, is going to um, share a little bit, and we're going to get into a time of miracles. Does that sound all right with you guys? No all right. Everybody ready? Okay. So um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, for those of you that weren't here yesterday, I'm going to do a real abbreviated version of who we are. Okay. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about 
um, our journey. And then I'm going to do a couple of uh, uh, recaps of some miracles that I've experienced in the marketplace. So that's going to kind of be our theme today. It's going to be miracles that we're going to share our stories and stories we've been part of in some way. But then um, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and we're going to hopefully see a lot of miracles today. All right? Amen. That sound good? All right. So, um, Robbie and I have been married 44 years. Um, yeah, how about that? <laughs> you, know, um, you know, God's brought a lot of great blessings into our life, but that's at the top of the list that um, we've been married that long. It wasn't always easy, but... Um, that's the thing I'm the most proud of. Yeah. I really yes. am. Um, because we're, we haven't been closer than we are right now. So for those of you that are, you know, not quite 44 years or whatever, it can get better. It can just keep getting better and better. So anyway, I'm very proud of that. We didn't get saved until we were 38 years old which is kind of unusual. We were living in Southern California down in Laguna, Niguel, and I was a, a vice president with PepsiCo, and um, I was living a big life <laughs> all over the place, and a lot of money, and just life in the fast lane, as the Eagles used to sing about, right? Um, didn't know Jesus at all. Our marriage at that point was really on the rocks. It was... Um, she had, you know, said a few times, if something doesn't change, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And we had two kids at that time, and I didn't want to give up what I had in the business world, and I didn't know how I could have maybe both, you know, the peace in the home and peace in the marriage. And, and um, long story short, we both get saved during that season, not at the exact same time, but we both got saved when we were 38 years old. And um, so um, two kids, you know, uh, and then the Lord um, prompted me to look for another opportunity. I was pretty amb ambitious. You know, I mean, I was driven. And some of it was out of my woundedness um, from when I grew up. I have a book out. In fact, Robbie, you grab a book out of there. I meant to bring it up and give one away this morning. <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to throw it today. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I'd love to give it to somebody who's an aspiring, you know, business marketplace. You know what? Yeah, you with the hat. He, he was here yesterday. So... So stay up here for a second. Stay up here for a second. How many of you, oh, I got to stay in the, uh, in the spotlight. How many of you remember the mamas and the papas? Okay. So John Phillips, who was the lead guy in the mamas and the papas, the big tall guy. This is him. Look at the hat. He's the guy. So I, I encourage him today to go look him up on YouTube or whatever and, uh, uh, you know, we'll just we'll just pray that you're going to be the next John Phillips and have a lot of big hits because I know you're a musician or want to be anyway. So anyway, this is the book. It's called Prosperity with Purpose. So um, a little bit of our story I'm going to share is going to be how God blessed us with a lot of 
financial resources, but it, we, we knew from the moment we got it that it was not about us, our consuming all that he gave us. It was about finding out what his purposes were and funding some of those purposes. So this is a book. It's for you. All right. Good luck. I just love that hat. <laughs> anyway, so um, uh, back to the story. So I, I'm at PepsiCo, but I, I felt prompted that a, a change was in the air after we got saved. I just needed a fresh start, too. So I ended up taking a job with Walt Disney in Burbank in the, at their headquarters. And I was a senior vice president of human resources for Walt Disney which was pretty heady stuff because um, I was, you know, I was eating in the executive dining room with movie stars and I was on the studio lot where we were filming all these, you know, Home Improvement was the big hit during that season, if you remember that show. And then um, uh, just getting invited to all the premieres of all these movies. And it was pretty heady stuff, you know. But there was a dark side to Hollywood that I just was hard for me. And as I, I confessed yesterday that I don't really feel like God called me to that job. I took that job, if you know the difference. Meaning, I was ambitious enough. I went for it and got it. And, and I, I, it wasn't part of God's calling for my life. So I didn't stay there very long. And um, anyway... Uh, I ended up going to a Promise Keeper event. So the Promise Keeper is kind of funny that that all, my story interacts so many times with this little area of the world. Because, uh, you know, Promise Keepers was started pretty much right here with Coach McCartney. And I went to that event and um, uh, I got challenged with whose dreams have I been living, mine or my wife's? And, um, and then the second part of the challenge was, do I even know what my wife's dreams are? Oops. And the, the answer to the first question was, I was living my dream, not hers, okay? I assumed she wanted to go along on this adventure with me, but I never really asked her. And uh, so I didn't know what her dreams were. And so I go home, we talk. Fast forward, uh, she says, uh, if you're really listening this time, um, I want to go back to the Midwest near Omaha where her mom and dad were because they were, you know, starting to become, you know, a little bit more needy. And she said, and the second part of the dream is I'd love to have more kids before it's too late. So we have two junior high <laughs> Kids, um, I'm working for the most creative company on the planet, right? At that time, maybe Apple's more creative now, but at that time, that was the most creative company on the planet. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? You know, because I wanted to honor her. She, you know, was vulnerable enough to tell me that's what her dreams were. And so I had to make a deal with God. I did. A headhunter calls me, says, Mike, aren't you from the Midwest? I say, yeah. And he goes, I have a great job for you. I think you'd be perfect for, and it's in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then the second part of what he said was, and it's funded by Warren Buffett and all of his buddies. 
you know, and Buffett at that time was probably the richest guy or the second richest guy in the world. So I was like, I'm interested in listening more. But it was kind of like, just by me saying I want to I honor her dreams, I felt like that's the first miracle that I've ever experienced, was that God pulled that job together for me. The guy that was praying for jobs, I don't know where he is right now, but that was a miracle job for me. But when I started telling some of my mentors and people that I, I you know, uh, looked up to, they said, no, don't do that. That's career suicide for you, to go from, you know, one of the top positions, you know, with a top company to do a startup, and it was in telecommunications, and it's in Omaha. That's suicide, man. So I just decided to trust God. And here's, the, here's, here's how this story, that part of this story ends. Two years later, we sell it for $14 billion. And I never had to work again for, to put food on the table. I, I couldn't have earned that much money at Walt Disney ever. I mean, probably, because, you know, just the way they work their programs. And anyway, so, so much for career suicide, right? Anyway, so, and then, and then what happens is um, we, we end up having two children. Uh, our son is now 25 years old. And, um, yes. but we, uh, so I, we took a little time off, uh, my buddies and I, and then we started the second telecom company right here in Broomfield. It was called Level 3 Communications. We were one of the few companies, three or four companies, that um, kind of wired the world. We became the backbone for the Internet. I mean, that's, that sounds like uh, that can't be true. It is true. We laid, we, we raised $16 billion, and we put fiber, switches, routers, software, and we did it all right over here. And um, so I'm one of the founders of that organization. Yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy time to think that that could happen twice, that I could be involved in something. So I, God gets all the credit on that, too. But uh, I'm going to come to another miracle here in a second. But one of the things that happened right after we started this company, this was in 1997, the second baby shows up in Robbie's dream. And... Um, it was our daughter, Alexis, and she was born with some chromosome problems, and it was a mess. I got to tell you guys, it was life or death for a long time with her. It was, I can't, I don't, read the book. <laughs> yeah, you guys have read the book. It's a, it's a hard story, a lot of suffering in there. Um, and Robbie's going to talk a little bit more about the miracles that happened during that time, but... Um, I ended up going on a sabbatical, meaning uh, sabbatical means I just said, hold my position. I'm, I'm hoping to come back, but I need to spend time with my family right now. So we did. And um, fast forward. Um, oh, let me go back one step. I forgot one miracle in here. So when we sold this company, the first company, to, uh, we sold it to WorldCom. And WorldCom became a company where it was the largest accounting scandal in the history of American business up to that point. And I was involved, not 
in the, on the illegal part, but I was one of the few people that WorldCom said, hey, since we're buying you, we need a couple of you people to come with us and help us transition this merger, or this acquisition. So um, I was put in a situation at a board meeting. They're, they were headquartered in Jackson, Mississippi, and I, I had to uh, go down there, and I was doing a presentation with the board, and the CFO pulls me aside at the dinner the night before, and he says, um, Mike, this is what I need you to do tomorrow at the board meeting. And it was basically, he wanted me to lie to the board about some executive compensation issues. And I'm like, his name is Scott. I said, Scott, I, I, I can't do that. And he goes, well, I, you, you, you need to do this. And what they had done was the, the way they hooked me into going with them in the first place after we sold the company was they gave me what's called restricted stock, which said, if I stay with them for a year, complete a year of employment, I'm going to get all this money, right? So we're about three, four months into the year, and that's the leverage here, or the thing he held over my head was, if you don't do this, that money may not be there for you. And, you know, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was a lot of money. <laughs> it was a lot of money. So I called Robbie up that night, and I said, oh, my gosh, you aren't going to believe what they asked me to do. Anyway, I, w I don't lie. I call, I get a hold of the, the board, some, some of the board members that were, you know, with me, and I said, here's what they asked me to do, and this is what they're going to try to do in the meeting. And um, it blew up. It blew up. And shortly thereafter, they terminated me. So I thought, okay, I walked away from that money, right? I, I had to do the right thing. Well, fast forward about two, three months later, uh, the um, vice chairman of the board heard about what had happened to me, and he said, we're going to make that grant happen. I got all the money. Yay, <laughs> I mean... You know, part of that is just, you know, trusting God and being obedient there, right? So then um, we do do this company here locally, Level 3 Communication, and um, we wire the world, and uh, Lexi's born, I go on a sabbatical, and then, um, you know, eventually Lexi dies. But here's the other crazy thing. So when, I'm, when I was at Level 3, I was an insider. So I don't know if any of you know what that means. It means I can't, I can't sell my stock on the open market because I have too much information about what our plans are, et cetera. So usually there's only about four or five people in any public company that can, uh, is restricted from selling their stock except for in designated windows, right after you give your earnings reports, et cetera. So, um, all of a sudden, I'm not an insider anymore because I'm on sabbatical. So I start selling my stock. I had a lot of stock. I, I started selling all this stock through some advisor friends of ours. Um, and uh, I got out before the tech bubble burst. And so we walked out of there with not only, you know, an unbelievable windfall, but our daughter, Lexi, probably had a couple million dollars worth of medical expenses. I mean, it was surgery after surgery after surgery. It was really intense. And 
we never paid a dime for her medical because while I was on sabbatical, I got to stay on their health care plan and I got to sell my stock. So it was just another one of those kind of miracles by, because I really, what happened was I was in the um, hospital one morning, on a Sunday morning, and I was holding her and I said, God, I can't keep doing this. I got, I'm flying out to Boulder and then, you know, something happens, I have to fly home right away, and this is just, it's killing my wife. It's, she's just drowning. And so I said, I, I can't do both of these, so what am I supposed to do? And the only thing I heard that morning was, take care of your family. So I believe that those issues around, you know, the health care uh, expenses and the um, uh, selling the stock was God honoring the fact that I took care of my family. So here we have a couple of different situations. So for men out here, um, honoring your wife, honoring your family, you know, taking care of your the, the first things may be hard to do because it's tempting. But... When you do it, I think God does acknowledge that, and and so those are a couple of little miracles that happen in, in in the in the course of what we were doing. So anyway, um, uh, the other thing that happened during that season um, was that um, I I when Lexi uh, had died, well, when she was alive, we used to go down to Kansas City. To, there, there was a great children's hospital in Kansas City, so she had to have some surgery there. But we met the people at the House of Prayer, the International House of Prayer. Mike Beckel, I don't know if some of you have heard of who they, those people are. but So they were really great friends over time, and then eventually uh, Lexi dies. She dies in April of 2001. And um, so she's in heaven. It was hard, hard times for us. But what happened was, um, there's so many, I think Robbie's going to talk about some of these miracles. So many people got saved during that last few weeks of her life. It was just incredible. We just had this open heaven over us. But what, um, so I, I go to Kansas City, I do the IHOP thing. Mike asked me to help run IHOP. So for about three years, I was the CEO of IHOP. So everything but the prayer room I had responsibility for. And um, that was our place to heal after our daughter had died. So that's a very unnatural thing, you guys, to have uh, to outlive your children. Anybody in this room have that story? Yeah, yeah, it's very unnatural. And it was a hard time, but a, really a deep place of intimacy for, for us. Um, you know, in some ways, I, I just we would never trade it because we just got so close to the Lord during that time that it just changed everything about our lives. And so, anyway, um, fast forward here a little bit. I'm just trying to get you guys caught up. I'm giving you a very abbreviated version. If you really want to know the whole story, um, you know, the book is available, and you can find me out on uh, the Internet as well. I do, I've done a lot of podcasts and that kind of stuff, okay? So, anyway, um, we moved to California. I um, got asked to help out at the Santa Barbara Rescue Mission to help coach a guy. So I do a lot of coaching now. I do a lot. I'm kind of a guide for 
you know, nonprofit, for-profit people. I got asked to um, help out at the Santa Barbara Rescue Mission. Anyway, the guy leaves, so the board says, will you run it? <laughs> so I had no experience with drug and alcohol and homelessness, and uh, it, boy, was that a gross season for us. So the reason I'm telling you these things is that there's this part of my life that was all focused on business, right? And then there was a transition period. And then the, the next part of my life really got focused on kingdom work. I mean, really going after it. And I don't mean to say that the business wasn't the kingdom work, but I started blending the two together, taking principles from the business world and using them in the, in the church or the nonprofit world. And so we morphed into that kind of a, a role in, in God's agenda. And um, we're still doing that. So anyway, what happened, uh, Robbie's going to share with you. We, were, we moved to Southern California to Santa Barbara. We're living there. She runs into some health issues. She's going to share those in a minute. It causes us to move to Redding, California, where Bethel Church is. And so we, for the next seven years, we're in Bethel. And, um, but uh, Bethel, uh, or Redding, had experienced a really, really harsh downturn in the economy. The housing market was boom. You know, that was back in 08 and 09, that era. And um, so I started doing these entrepreneur boot camps because I, we really felt like the only way that Redding was going to recover economically was if people started creating their own companies and their own jobs. and. And because uh, it, it was not a diversified economy up there at all. So, plus all these people from all over the world were coming to go to school at Bethel, and they were well-educated and very, very capable, talented people. So we started encouraged, start a business, start a business, start a business. So we ran these boot camps. We ran these um, what they call meetups. Uh, we called them beers and bites where you could meet other people who wanted to, to become entrepreneurs or, or maybe they had a little startup idea already. And then we did, um, I put together an angel investment group, which is um, a click below, you've heard the term venture capitalist, but these are people that fund startups, right? So we gave seed money to a lot of these startup companies up there and it's still going on. And, and Redding has had a huge turnaround in terms of, their economic, you know, prosperity. So most of that started during that season because they were at the lowest of the low during that time. So uh, we did Redding, and then um, uh, a couple of years ago we moved back to Omaha. Just I wanted to get out of California. California was killing us. <laughs> I love the place, but I I can't live there anymore uh, for a lot of reasons, taxes and other things, you know crazy stuff that's going on there. So anyway, that brings us back to uh, Omaha, and that's where we are right now. But then Robbie's going to share some stories. She, she ended up getting some health crisis again while we were in Omaha, and um, she went on a healing journey, and that brought her back out to Colorado, and she's now attending the Andrew Womack um, School of Ministry. It's called Cherish Bible School up in uh, Woodland Park. So that's why we're kind of out here right now. She's here permanently, well, for a couple more months to complete the school year, but, and I'm back and forth, okay? So 
Anyway, that's, uh, that'll kind of get you up to speed in terms of who we are. I'm an author, as you know. I'm, uh, um, I've been uh, making movies for the last few years through um, kind of the YWAM world out in Hawaii. Uh, the son of the founder of uh, YWAM, his, the founder's name is Lauren Cunningham. His son, David, is a movie director, producer, and I'm the uh, head of his movie studio. And this is another real miracle story. So David and I meet, and we just click, and everything's really cool. But at the exact same time, the state of Hawaii came to David and said, hey, we've heard about you guys. We want to we want to we want to bring more of the movie industry into Hawaii because they every, you know they were making lots of movies and TV shows there, but the talent would all go back to L.A. or and all the equipment would go back to L.A. and they wanted to you know get a foothold and and have that be part of their economy. So they gave us a little more than seven million dollars to start this studio, and so we've done a couple of really great movies. I'll tell you about just two titles if you're interested. One is Running for Grace. So these are family-oriented family movies. Running for Grace. It had uh, Matt Dillon and uh, Jim Cavizio, the guy that played Jesus in The Passion. And the second one that's coming out in a couple of weeks, well, a couple of months probably now, um, is called The Wind and the Reckoning. And it's a brave heart, Hawaiian Braveheart-type story. Beautiful photography. Everything about it is just beautiful. So I'm doing that. Um, I run an inner-city uh, youth organization, after-school program for, um, you know, our kids are all black kids from the inner-city, African-American. Um, and they, uh, we, it's a, it's a beautiful collaboration between church, business, and government. It's, it's a situation where all three of us came together and said, let's do this together. And we serve a couple hundred kids every day. We, we give them help with homework. We give them uh, a gospel message every, or some spiritual development every day. We feed them a meal. And we, we have two gyms where we play. We bought an old boys and girls club and we renovated it. And that's still going strong. So... Um, to me, that's the, this is a personal, you know, um, pursuit for me because I grew, up, I grew up in the Catholic Church and I got so many great things from the Catholic Church. And one of the great things that I got was this sense of mercy to take care of those people who are less fortunate. And, and in some ways, that, that's, that's something that's kind of always bothered me about the evangelical or even the spirit-filled churches. We, sometimes we've forgotten that we're supposed to be out there being, you know, the good Samaritan, right? And taking care of the poor and, and um, you know, being Jesus to those people out there. So that's been a real personal thing for me that... That's my way of being very involved, and so I'm real active in that. And um, so that's how I spend a lot of my time now. I'm, I'm actually involved with Catch the Fire um, through uh, Duncan and Kate and some others. Um, uh, I'm involved in a whole bunch of, last, last count was probably 26 or 27 different ministries. So um, anyway, I'm going to do one thing, and I'm just going to do a real quick recap of what happened yesterday, and then I'm going to bring my wife up. One real quick thing. 
Okay. So uh, when we were singing that song this morning, and I, I heard people praying out, God, you're more than enough. That word enough just really struck me because that's a big part of what we did yesterday. We talked about not only is God enough, but God has enough. Okay? So we talked, you'll maybe have to look at the video and stuff, but there are three things that I talked about that prove that God has enough. We use scripture to do that. So I'm going to ask you, Joel, to, to tell us what were the three big things. Do you remember? Yes. All right. Tell us what they are. Okay, so we're blessed to be a blessing, just like Abraham was. We have, we're given bread and seed. So we're given food to eat and also seed for sowing. And we are given enough and extra. Amen. Amen. Woo. Enough and extra. So watch the video if you want to get more of what that message was, okay? And um, uh, Robbie's going to share some of these other miracles, and then we may have a little time of ministry. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Amen. We will. Yes. So, wow. How about some good news? Yeah. So does everybody know that God wants you well? Yes. He does. And he doesn't want you sick. He's not using your sickness to teach you something. He's not using your sickness to um, create miracles. He may use it because he takes what the enemy means for evil and uses it for good. But he doesn't create your sickness. He doesn't harm you. And so I took a long time to figure that out. So as you heard uh, when we were in Santa Barbara, I started getting sick. And I was tired, tired, tired. And I went to the doctor and she said, uh, oh, you have precancerous cells in your uterus and you need to have a hysterectomy. And so I'm like, I don't believe that. I'm going to another doctor. So I went to another one. Oh, same thing. And so I'm like, no, I am not going to have my, my uterus taken out after I lose my daughter. God, this is not okay. So I found out about this guy named Randy Clark. Anybody hear of him? <laughs> and I was pretty impressed with him. So I told him, um, I want to come to your school. He was having a school near us. So I go to the school all week long, and my hope and my excitement about getting healed are getting like, woo, way up here. So I'm learning new things. And, but I had trouble sitting on the seats in the auditorium. So I was like, oh, wow, I'm so much pain. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, when I had my second child, Dustin, I cracked my tailbone. And I forgot all about that. So that must be what's going on because nobody else was having trouble sitting there. So that night, Bill Johnson comes. Anybody hear of Bill? Yep. I never heard of him before. So he came to the meeting and he said, um, first thing he says, there's someone here and they cracked their tailbone during birth and God wants to heal you tonight. Well, I've never heard of that before, and I jumped up out of my seat. It's me! And he started laughing, and he said, okay, everybody around her, pray for her. And I was healed. And I was like, what? So I go back to my doctor, and I said, okay, so can we just check this one more time? Because I had made an appointment for a surgery. I knew I needed to do something. And she goes, okay, whatever. So she checks me again and she calls me up and she goes, I don't know how to tell you this, but you don't need a surgery. <laughs> yes, Jesus. 
so I'm like, okay, whatever this is, I want in. I, I want to know this. Because when our daughter was so sick, people kept telling me that she could be healed. They'd pray that over her. They'd prophesy that over her. And so I was afraid to believe at first. Like, I'm like, you guys do that. I can't. I can't go there. I'm preparing for her to die. And that's not a good place to be. It was a very sad place. And so when she did die, I thought, okay, well, that was God's plan. You know, people said, oh, she was only supposed to be here for her time on earth, and she was a little angel. God needed her up in heaven, all the things that people trying to comfort me were saying. But it never felt good in here. I never, I never believed it. Like, why would God do that? And so when I got healed, I'm like, okay, now everybody needs to get healed. So I told him last night about a story of our, um, some people that worked for us in Santa Barbara, and, and um, they cleaned our house, and they were so sweet. So I, he had a stomach ache one day, so I said, oh, I got to pray for you. And he's looking at me like, okay, later. And so they actually went out and got in their car, and I ran out the door and said, no, come back in, come back in, because I was scared to pray for people. I thought, well, what if they don't get healed? They're going to think I'm a fool. That's when I used to think it was all about me, of course. And so they came back in, sat in my office very obediently, and, and I said, okay, so you have a stomachache. I want to pray for you. And I was so dramatic about everything. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know if they know that Jesus died for them to be healed. So I thought, oh, I better tell them the story. So I told them the story. And um, so I get all done, and I say, okay, so someday... You're going to want to ask Jesus into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior. And I said, you can, you can do that at home. You don't have to do that right now. No pressure. And he said, I am ready. And I'm like, he must not have understood me. <laughs> I need to tell him again. So I told him again, and he goes, I am ready. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, let's pray. So we prayed, and, you know, I didn't know if he got better or anything, and but then they come back, and he's like, the stomach ache is gone. As a matter of fact, I went back to the hospital. They had told, me, told him that um, he had something wrong with his brain because he was raised in an orphanage in Mexico. He ate bad meat or something. I don't quite understand all of it. But he was totally healed. And so then later on, I didn't know this either, he tells me that he was considering suicide. And now he was so excited and happy about life. He told his friends, they don't even charge at this church. <laughs> I didn't understand that. But a friend of mine said, you should have a home church. And I thought, okay, how can I do this, Lord? How can I do this? Because somebody said, these are your babies. You need to take care of them. I'm like, well, I don't even know if they, you know, can they read the Bible in English? I don't know how this works. So I went online and I found a Bible that's in Spanish and English. And so I got them all Bibles, and we met on Fridays at noon, and they would bring this most amazing food, and then they would read the Bible. We started in Matthew, and so it was not complicated, and they ended up just loving the Lord, getting in their own church. He starts reading to his family at home, and his oldest son went off to school to become a pastor. So in my heart, woo. So one day, we're talking again, we're sharing things, and... I said, okay, so now, I don't know if all of you heard this story, but when our little girl passed away, um, my sister walked in the room, and she said, I know I am here. And I'm like, 
finally, my sister's going to accept Christ. I've been witnessing to her for years. She said, it's not for me. I don't need it. I don't need it. So um, I said, go downstairs, talk to the pastors. Because at that time, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And so Lexi is gone from us. We're very, we're very sad. I walk downstairs. The pastors and our friends are all there. And he goes, my pastor said to Patty, Patty, Jesus just walked through here tonight. And he's saying, come on, follow me. Patty, are you ready to follow Jesus? She jumps up and she goes, yes. And so we're all in a big circle. And uh, we're all, she goes, everybody hold my hands. And so we're holding hands. She gives her life to the Lord. And then, um, so uh, we're all breaking up, we're chatting. And she comes up and she goes, but aren't I supposed to get baptized now? And I'm like, what? I don't, Pastor, can you help her? I don't, got a bathtub. And so up we went upstairs, and she got baptized, and my husband got baptized because he'd never been baptized as an adult. And so we're all worshiping on that night. So I tell Antonio this story. And I said, and someday, you're going to want to be baptized too. And there's a pool right out there you can get baptized in. And he said, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> yes. So I'm just like, wow, this is so easy. How does this work? And so um, I said, okay, well, why don't you guys talk about it, go home, and then we'll pick a day and you can come back and um, do this. And he said, well, can I bring my family? And I'm like, well, okay, because I don't even know how you do this thing. And so they brought the family, but then they said, can we bring our church? And I said, oh, okay. So here comes the church, and some of them haven't been baptized. Can we baptize them? Of course. So then there's even people getting saved at, the, at our home because they're like, what are they doing? So that somebody sat down with the Bible and told them what's happening. So they got baptized too, so we're going and getting more shirts and towels. And I think there was like 12 that got baptized that day. And um, yeah, Holy Spirit, woo, come on. And so um, those are my kids. They call me mom. And um, it was just a precious, you know, God is so good. Can you believe how good he is? You know, yeah, we went through some really hard things, but then he turns around and does this, and it was so amazing. So I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I want more. So I hear about Bill Johnson, and I'm telling Mike, let's go to Reading. And he's like, I'm never moving there. Don't ever tell God you're never moving somewhere. Amen. But anyway, he's a man that is obedient, as you've heard from his stories. And God did tell him one morning, it's time to go, green light. I have an assignment for you, supernatural. And at the same time, I had a dream that we were going. And so it really worked out nice. God is so good at that. So we went to Bethel. I went to school. And I learned that God has healing for everyone. Like, it's not just these amazing people up on the stage like Bill Johnson and Randy Clark. We all get to pray for people to be healed. It's inside of us. Jesus, Holy Spirit, and God are in the inside of us. And we can go and pray for people. And they can be healed. So I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Well, I prayed for a lot of people there and nobody got healed. So I'm like, okay, it doesn't work. So... After that, we, you know, as Mike said, a couple years later, we end up in Omaha, and 
I'm kind of sad. Our kids are going through some big struggles and I can't figure out how to help them. I don't know how much I can tell, but anyway, it got really nasty, really bad. And so, and then Mike gets injured, his back was injured. And uh, by the way, we've already had two miracles this morning, I forgot to tell you. Yesterday, Mike's back was hurting so bad he could hardly stand up after speaking. Some beautiful people (laughs) came around. Beautiful, beautiful people. They took time and they prayed for my husband. His back has been an issue for years. So total healing. And then this morning, I decided, or yesterday morning, I um, was on the treadmill. And I thought, well, I'm going to walk for a little bit. Can't go outside. I'm like, I wonder if I could run. I used to be a runner. And I can't, I was not able to run because of pain. And um, I thought, I'm going to try it. So... I'm going the steps, 15 minutes. And I'm like, whoo! And then today I thought, I'm gonna do it again. And this time I'm gonna go 30 minutes. 30 minutes! You guys, I have not, well, when I was in my 40s, I was a runner and I just was never, after all the tragedies that happened, I wasn't able to run again. So miracles are already happening. So we get to Omaha, I'm a sad mama, sad wife, I'm sad. And um, we're trying everything we know to do the things to serve that we want to do to serve. What's my time? How do I know when I'm, is there a clock? (laughs) Okay, So, so I'm sad, I'm sad. I'm tired, I'm tired going to doctors, trying to figure out, I've been to, you know, I went to Germany because I'm so tired. Nobody can figure me out. They tell me to quit doing stuff, just slow down. I'm not doing anything, I don't go anywhere. But they tell me to slow down. So I'm like, well, how slow down do you have to be? So it was pretty miserable for me. And um, one day I said, I think I need to go to the doctor. And I go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you have a lump in your breast you have cancer, and you have breast cancer. And so we're like, okay, what do we do now? Right away, I went out to Bethel, got prayer, the lump disappeared, and it came back again. So I went to doctors. My friend wisely told me, whatever you do, make sure you have peace about it. So we're all going to be in different places. Like at that time, I needed the doctors because I was terrified. I, I'm honest, you know. God's supposed to heal me. Why didn't it work? People prayed for me. I know my daughter died. Is that going to happen to me? So I got really deep with God. You know, that's his goal anyway, isn't it? Intimacy and spending time with him. And I felt like um, I was supposed to go to the doctors. So my family all came with me. We sat in with a team of doctors. Some of you may have done this before. Breast cancer, HER2 positive. We're going to do chemo, six rounds. We're going to do mastectomy. We're going to do radiation. And I'm kind of like, okay, I'm strong. I'm a strong farm girl. I can do this. I can do this. So again, depending on my strength. And um, the family all said, yes, this is what we're going to do. People came to visit me, and they would all tell me their cancer stories. And that was a little depressing. But um, I thought, okay, they made it, I'm going to make it. They made it, I'm going to make it. 
I thought, God, what the heck? So um, as we kept praying and wondering, I started doing chemo. Well, those of you that have had chemo or know someone, um, some people make it through and just get tired. But I was exhausted. I couldn't get out of bed. And so I thought, okay, I need to do something. Nobody's going to come save me. Well, Jesus, but I wasn't depending on him evidently. And so I started reading on how to heal myself alternatively. I, I read everything. And um, so they, they started the chemo. I was exhausted. And um, somebody said, hey, I have a friend that likes to pray for people. Can he come over and we'll do this in your backyard? Awesome. Fine, come over. I've had so many people pray for me, but what the heck, one more. So we're in the backyard with about 30 people, and we're praising God and worshiping, and then he goes, anybody here sick, need prayer? And everybody's looking at me, and I'm like, I'm not getting up, I'm not getting up. And so they're all looking at me, and so I go, so a lot of faith here, right? And he goes, stand up. He said, what's your favorite city? And I'm like, what? My favorite city is Santa Barbara, and he goes, he just went like this, didn't even touch me, and this roar came out of me, and he's going, out, 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 and I'm like, what? What is that? Do I have demons in me or something? And then down I went, and I'm like, okay, okay, God, I'm okay to be embarrassed in front of everybody in my backyard, but something better happen, because I, I don't want to just feel your presence, and then I'm not changed. Something has to happen. So I got up from there, went into the kitchen about an hour later, and um, I looked at the food and I thought, oh, I'm hungry. And then I thought of this story of get up and eat. When Jesus goes to Jairus and his daughter is sick and he goes to her house, which is an incredible story because on the way there, he heals the woman with the blood issue and they come and tell him, don't bother the master. Your daughter's already dead. Now, how many of you would hear that news and then think, oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to go. It's too late. But Jesus looked at him and said, don't be afraid. Just believe. And so I read that the next morning. I'm like, okay, what am I afraid of? I mean, like, I'm a warrior, I try to tell myself. And I've known Jesus for 30 years. What am I afraid of? And I knew it was that he wouldn't heal me. I was afraid. I thought I had to figure it out myself. And I'm so grateful for the doctors that took care of me. And, and that's where Jesus, that's where God met me, was at the doctor's office. And he took all of our family through that journey. But I did it about three times, the chemo. And then I said, I, I can't do this anymore. And I had this vision that if I could do whatever I wanted to, I would do alternative care. So this is my next <laughs> crutch. <laughs> but I, the vision, I saw myself as Wonder Woman, and I was standing on a hill with a bow and arrow, and all my grandchildren were down here with bow and arrows, and I was teaching them all how to be warriors. I have no grandchildren yet, but they're coming. <laughs> I'm praying them in. So, um, okay, I'm trying to keep track. Um, so anyway, I'm like, okay. I asked the man that prayed for me, I said, how do I keep it from not coming back? 
And he said, well, I know this guy named Andrew Womack. I listen to him all the time. And I'm like, who's he? And so I get online and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I don't know if you listened to him before, but he has the funniest accent. And I'm like, okay, I don't like his accent, but what he's saying is going right in here. And it's like, yes, yes, that's why, that's why. And so let's just go to that scripture because I ordered the Healing University right away. And every morning I would do it. And um, he told me I'm already healed. How does someone who's known Jesus for almost 30 years not know they're already healed? So I started asking everybody, like, am I crazy? Like, did you guys all know this? <laughs> and I didn't. Why didn't somebody tell me this? And I don't know about you guys, but how many times I've read this scripture and didn't know it was right then. He did it all. He did it. It's done. I don't have to make, make it happen. So let's go to Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our illnesses, grief, and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Yes. It happened right then. Like, this is blowing my mind. Well, how come I'm not healed then? Why am I sick? And so... Um, we had to go through that journey too, because I didn't believe. Because people were telling me I didn't believe, and I was like, oh, come on now. I'm a believer. You can't tell me I don't believe. Well, I didn't. I was scared. I'd had death in my family before. I didn't know how to do this. Well, then I figured I better get some wisdom. So James 1.5. I'm sorry to take so long, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without criticism, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without wavering, for he who wavers is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed with the wind. Let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I'm pretty sure that was me for a while there. So I asked God, what do I do? What do I do? And he says, you better go and get some exercise. So I'm like, okay. So fine online, who do I go to? So I end up with this guy named Micah Solomon. Now, isn't that funny? I prayed for wisdom and I got Micah Solomon. He's a Jewish man who had his own gym and he dealt with people that had had cancer before. And he said, all right, right away, we're gonna put you on the keto diet and you're gonna do exercise. And I'm like, oh, I'm too tired. He said, nope, you're gonna do it. And then every morning he would ask me that I would come, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm so tired. And he'd go, how are we doing today? I'm like, awesome. <laughs> yep. So he wasn't a believer, but he believed more than me that I could be healed. So I kept going to him and he would ask me questions. He had been Buddhist, every religion there was. And I would tell him about Jesus. And I kept inviting him to all of the things that were at our house. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to come, I'm going to come. One day he says to me, I know there's something really big coming. And I don't know what it is. And I said, you're going to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And he said, no, that's not it. <laughs> so one day he finally shows up at one of our events. 
he brings his sister. They're standing in the back row. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's here. I look over and there's tears coming down. Big buff Micah. And they say, hey, if anybody wants to know Jesus, come on up to the front. Up he goes. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. So he gives his life to Jesus right there. And then they say, who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Micah, get up there. What, what, what am I doing? Get up there. You're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes, okay. So he goes up. Everybody's praying over him. And he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Then our, our um, friend who was running the meeting said, who wants to get baptized? And I said, Mika, go. And he goes, okay. <laughs> so he goes out to the pool and in he goes, and his sister goes, what's going on? And we said, well, here's what's happening. She goes, well, I want that too. So in she goes. And then his girlfriend said, I'm not having it. <laughs> But the happy story is that now Mika runs his gym and he calls it so, so, Sozo Fitness, Body, Soul, and Spirit. He is leading people to the Lord everywhere. He has no fear. Yeah, okay. So I just want to, oh, and then now I'm at Karis because I want to know more. This, this word is true. And it is so exciting to believe it. And I just want to say to all of you that you thought maybe God didn't want you well or maybe he's not coming or it's for you too. He wants all of us well. And it's just a matter of, hey, let's just, let's just believe, you know, and it's okay. God's going to meet you right where you are. And he's going to help you through this season of whatever unbelief you have. It doesn't matter what it is. He's going to take care of you, but you need to know the word. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, we invite you to check out our website or feel free to download the Church Center app. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to listen to more of our sermons and messages, you can find us on YouTube and Spotify. We love you, God bless you, and thank you for tuning in to Catch the Fire Boulder.